Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome to episode 21, and today we're going to be talking about the mindset of taking total responsibility. So what is it exactly? And the way that I think about it, it's a mindset in which you're taking this responsibility for everything around you, that you own your ability to respond with the most empowering narrative to what happens in life. And I think that part is really important, the most empowering narrative, because everyone, all of us has a response to what happens but most of us respond from a limiting narrative about the situation and we don't recognize that we're even doing it. So we aren't even able to take total responsibility for moving things forward. And instead we end up reacting in limiting ways to the circumstances that we face. So total responsibility is about taking the ability to respond and really coming up with diverse choices for what we are going to say about the situation and owning every single bit of it. And I think it's an important mindset for life. It has huge opportunities for how we approach our work. So if you're a manager or leader, the two questions that are at play, one, how are you taking total responsibility? And two, how are you consciously teaching total responsibility? So I want to share how this showed up for me. And it's a personal story, which is where I think some of our best leadership insights come from. Uh, My wife and I, uh, we got married in 2007, and we spent the first couple of years having fun and enjoying the freedom that really comes from being young and without kids. Um, it was an awesome time, and we felt, I would say, like, quote-unquote, ready for little ones. Uh, it was about maybe 2009, and, um, and it was not easy to get pregnant. I'm just going to say that. I had spent most of my life worrying about that, actually. I... I, I spent my life worrying about getting pregnant, and now that it was a time for me to invite that into my life, I now really wanted it. It was much harder than I thought. Um, and in fact, I, um, I didn't even realize just how much of a miracle it even is. Like People always talk about the miracle of life, but I did not even understand. When you, when you really understand it and start to like un- you research it, the, the odds, the timing, it's, it's amazing what it takes to make a, a little human being. And I just remember going on a walk with my wife and we were having one of those epic talks, you know, where you just, you're just talking about, you know, your future and your dreams and your life. And for us, unfortunately, this epic talk also started to take turns around coming to terms that having a child might not actually happen for us. And it was the first time for me where I didn't really grow up thinking about, you know, wanting a a family and it just, I, I, it's not that I didn't want, I just didn't really think about it. And, um, so for me, it was, it was a first, I remember at that point in time being in my early thirties, considering like adoption, um, and really redefining for myself, like, what would it look like to create family? Like, what would that be for us? Um, and so there was just a lot there trying to think through like what this meant and, um, and it was exciting, but scary. And I'll never forget, we went to bed and, um, and it was a trying night and we woke up the next morning and I kid you not, she took her test and we were pregnant and it was so surreal. 
Like she was, my wife was jumping up and down. I just felt like it was unreal. Like we just won the lottery. I felt so blessed. Like I still, I still get in shivers just thinking about it. And like, we didn't know anything. Like it was like, well, what now? Um, it was exciting and it was scary. And I remember we had to try to find a physician and, um, and we were just like, we had tried for so long. And now that we're there, we're like, well, what do we do? So it was kind of hilarious, but we were, um, we, we got ourselves a general practitioner. Time was passing. We were starting to take pictures of baby bombs. You know, I'm talking to the baby. We're, you know, making jokes about this. And then we went in for a 16-week ultrasound. And I remember being so excited because we were going to find out the sex. And, and um, I just remember thinking, oh, God, like, please be just one heartbeat. Like, I don't want to see two or three. Um, you know, again, I'm, like, nervous thinking, like, oh, are we going to have, like, quadruplets? Um and I will never forget, like we were in the room and um, of course we see the heartbeat again and there's just one, they're assuring me. And then, um, you know, they ask us, do you want to know the sex? And, you know, my wife always reads the end of the book or reads the spoilers before she watches the movie. So yeah, she wants to know. And so they're, they let us know, like, it's a boy. And I was like, oh my God. And you would think I'd be like, oh my God, I got a boy. I was like, oh my God, no. Because I knew how much of a handful I was growing up. Like, I no joke. My mom, she tells stories about, like, how much of a handful. In fact, I even have memories. I remember being as young as three years old and just being a pain in the butt. Um, but anyways, um, it was really just, just going through those emotions. Like, I just remember being in there and just like, oh, my God, I don't want, I don't want, like, you know, sets of twins. I don't want a boy. It was just... It was interesting the way I was approaching things, and and then I met, I just I remember her face changed, um, and the the radiology tech she just finished her test she didn't say anything you know for like what felt like ever, and she left the room and then when they came back she came back in with another gentleman the radiologist, and they told us that our baby was not in good shape, and he had an opening in his back and his spinal cord was protruding out. And they could see that a good portion of his brain had already been disintegrated due to the cord being pulled out and and pulling on the brain and pushing the newly formed brain against his skull. And um, and it wasn't in his scope of practice to provide a diagnosis, but um, he, he let us know that he, he had not seen that amount of damage. Um, it was probably one of the most extreme he had seen and that the opening in the back was one of the largest he had seen in his practice um and within a couple of weeks we had lost our baby and um now there's so much more i could say about this it's another another podcast another format another show um but let me just say that that grief was intense i, I remember i felt like such i felt like a jerk for approaching the pregnancy um, like some kind of birthday wish list. Like, I want this, I want that, you know? Um, and I would end up getting to be, to be dad to him one last time. And when I took him up to the mountains and spread his ashes, and that was about nine years ago, uh, almost to the day today. And that was a big turning point for me in my life in understanding some things. And, um, in part brings me to how I operate today you know, my wife and I, we needed to get away. We needed to get present. So we ended up taking this trip to Zion National Park. And it was it was amazing. If you've never been there, go. 
Um, and if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And it was, it was just a really healing journey. But on the second to the last day of our trip, we had a guide take us rock climbing. And uh, this guy met us. He almost looked like my stereotype of a yogi, like a white yogi. Um, we just, he was just some, he looked like a little Zen dude. I don't know. I, I can tell my stereotypes are coming up, but that just, that's how he looked. And that's kind of the, the aura he gave off. And, you know, we weren't much for chit chat, but he asked us, you know, like why we wanted to rock climb. And we said, you know, we wanted to try something new. We weren't really divulging a whole bunch of information. Um, and we were in this picturesque setting. I'll never forget. We were on the ledge with a river a few feet below us and a rock that just shot up about a hundred feet straight in the air right above us. Um, and these ropes just dangled from this rock. And, and if you've ever been in that part of the country, just the rock is smooth and it's got pretty colors. Um, and I remember climbing and it was hard. Uh, at one point the dude yanks on my rope and I freeze, you know, I'm like, what are you doing? Cause I'm thinking I'm going to fall backwards. And he asks, are you having fun? And I just remember, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm having fun. And, um, it was interesting because he just starts his dialogue with me and he's kind of yelling halfway up. Cause I'm, I'm a good, like 20 some odd feet in the air. And he's like, you know, if you're not having fun, then, then why are you doing it? And, you know, of course my response is, I just, I just want to get to the top, you know, like I, I'm here to, I'm here to conquer this thing. And he sounded like a mix between wise and annoyed. And I remember he said, it's not about proving you can do it. And it's not about getting it over with. It's not even about accomplishing this. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's always about the enjoyment of the moment. Just loving the process. Just having so much focus, you no longer even hear the river. Now, I'm up there shaking. I'm looking down and I'm pretty sure he has his eyes closed. Like he's teleported himself to another place. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried because he's holding my rope. But then he goes on. You know, life's a lot like being on that rock. Don't forget that. Each project, each problem, each dilemma that you experience. Don't forget that you chose to be on that rock. You didn't know your body would get fatigued. You didn't know that some routes would be hard. You didn't know that your hands would sweat with fear and cramp with pain. But you wanted to be there. So by now, like, I'm annoyed. <laughs> but I'm also, like, in heavy reflection mode because of this whole trip and the experience and everything. And it hits me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I chose my job. I chose to build a marriage. And I chose to try for a baby. And all of them, as solid and as beautiful as that rock that I was on, and all of them presenting excitement and anticipation and all of them exposing different unseen obstacles to deal with and routes to try. And so all of this is just kind of racing through my head as I'm having these ahas. And then I hear this, hey, man. And now his eyes are open. I'm looking down and he doesn't look wise anymore. He just kind of looks impatient. And he's just like, the rock is what it is. It ain't changing. You can't control that. Do you want to be here? Do you want to take this route? Will it feel hard? Yeah. But don't forget why you're here, because you want to be here. And I just think it was a mix of everything that was happening, but that experience stuck with me. I, I didn't get to choose what would happen in my life, but I got to choose the narrative. And I got to create my own response to each happening, and I got to choose it. Like, I, I couldn't forget, like, everything in my life I was choosing. Um, even if it didn't feel like it, if, if I was stuck in a job that I didn't like, I was choosing that. 
And then I could choose how to think about it differently, either reclaim what was going on around me or reclaim, you know, my choice to find somewhere else to go. And just so you know, today my wife and I, we have two kiddos. We have a boy, we have a girl. I think most of you might know that. And my daughter, she has butterfingers. I mean, she's always spilling her drink. Um, you know, my we've got a four-year-old and my daughter is almost eight. And I swear to goodness sakes, like I still want to put the sippy cup lid on her drinks because stuff is just spilling all the time. And about a year ago, I noticed that she had some external reasons for why things were spilling, right? Like her brother bumped into her or she needed to grab a napkin and it was too far away. And when she reached, she knocked things over or the glass was too slippery, etc. It was always something or someone else. And the problem that followed then was, well, then who's going to wipe it up, right? Like if someone else, there's two kind of issues going on. One is if it's somebody else's, you know, reason why things got knocked over and then two because it wasn't her like why should she like pick it up so one day i just shifted how we saw things and i just remember asking her when you got a glass of water and it spills on the table why does it spill and of course she gave me all like the usual answers you know because my brother bumped into me or because i wasn't paying attention or because you poured too much daddy and you know i was like nope that's not correct that's not right Nope, that's not what I'm looking for. And then finally, she's just like, why? You know, just in the, the kind of way that like, you know, a seven-year-old will, like they're not even restrained. And, um, you know, I just kind of shared with her, you spilled water on the table because there was water in the glass. Like if you had juice in the glass, that's what would have spilled on the table. It's what happens sometimes when you put water in a glass. It sometimes spills. When water is in a glass, it will spill. So when you have a glass of water and it spills on the table, why does it spill? And she was, she caught on quick. She's like, because I have water in my glass. <laughs> That's right. If you put water in a glass, at some point it's going to spill. That's the only reason. Now she thinks I'm messing with her. But I, it took like this conversation, it's, I'm paraphrasing this conversation, it took about nine, ten minutes. But I, I wanted her to get that, you know. And so eventually I asked her like about a sixth time. I'm like, so if you have water in a glass and it spills on the table, why does it spill? She's like, because I have water in my glass. It was really matter of fact for her. Kind of like the sky is blue. What color is the sky? Blue, right? You know, and I think she got that. And so then I got to my next question, right, which is, so then what should we do when water spills? And it was pretty obvious. She's like, well, we clean it up. I was like, awesome. So since water will spill, does it matter who cleans it up? And she's like, no. And I was like, why? And she's like, because when water spills, it needs to be cleaned up. And at some point, water always spills. And it was really profound. Like, I didn't think it would work, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, my God, I'm brilliant. But, you know, now I'm not asking my daughter to pick up after the world's mess or understand the difference between, like, she gets the difference between cause-effect. Now, she can have a narrative around cause-effect. My brother did this and then things spilled. Or I was messing around and things spilled. That's fine. Cause-effect has a place in the world. That narrative makes sense for certain things in life. And I'm certain she gets that, you know. That's fine. That's going to play itself out in the conventional way that it always does. I think cause effect is is great for learning, you know, understanding your your responsibility and what you own, but there's something I think even bigger when you're talking about total responsibility. And that's what I'm building is her muscle around taking responsibility for just what shows up in life. You know, not just like for taking responsibility for what other people do, but what shows up. 
Like when we have friends, conflict shows up. So what are we going to do? Resolve conflict. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that like my friend did this, so I did that, or oh, I was bad, so I'm going to do this. Like that's just a really like credit debit kind of way of taking a look at things. And it leaves you at this point of constantly having to evaluate what it is that, you know, so-and-so did or didn't do. When you aim to build something personal with somebody else, you take risk. And when there's risk, you know, things happen. And that's just what happens. And so when things happen and they go um, in the direction you don't want them to, you make them right. That's, that's, just, that's just it. So taking total responsibility is creating a different kind of narrative. It just, it just takes responsibility for the reality that life happens, right? Um, when you put water in a glass, it spills. When you climb up a mountain, sometimes people fall. When you decide that you're going to walk, sometimes we trip. Right. That's just what happens when I decide to have um, to spend my money on a car. If it gets broken in, it's not that, you know, that, you know, there's something wrong with society and that, you know, folks are made poor by others and other impoverished and other taking something from me. And I'd, I'd like to help them out or how dare they? They're taking something from me. And now they're criminals like all of those are are totally acceptable ways of taking a look at things. I think that they are. Um, I'm the first to be able to like, I just remember being really little and an understanding, like my mom drilled it into me. She's like, cause she, that's where she came from. She's like, you know, Michal, understand that people aren't poor necessarily. They're made poor by others. They are impoverished. There's a system at work that creates these conditions. And I think that is very true. That is a way of taking a look at things. And I think that that's a very truthful way of looking at things when you're trying to undo systems. But when I'm trying to have an empowering view of myself, a liberating view of myself, uh, and uh, the most powerful position I can take, it's about none of those things. It's about that life happened, that I decided that I was going to make a choice. And I want to choose that choice because then I can take greater ownership for what I do next. So it's a total leadership move. And at work, taking total responsibility for daily performance, so let's just take that turn here, means you understand what your team's pain points are. You understand what the impacts are, especially as a leader. So if you're not doing that, you're not taking responsibility. But here's the next thing. You take responsibility to make sure that once you understand those pain points and impacts, that you're helping everyone see and solve problems. You have to. And we leverage our four disciplines of daily management for this. It's, it's your responsibility to design and implement a system to remove those pains. That's total responsibility at the workplace. What's more, leveraging a system like the four disciplines enables managers to teach total responsibility, right? We use our accountability boards or what we call our watcher boards for problem solving, for teaching people that we have problems that we should be removing, but also understanding why the problems exist in the first place. Because you know what? It's not anyone's fault that the problems exist. We could blame somebody else for giving us in poor incoming quality. And when we do work, sometimes poor incoming quality occurs. So what is at stake here is whether or not we're going to do something about it. Now, how we go about it becomes, you know, some of the magic that we work on, but we go, we make sure that we do something about it. We don't stay resigned. We don't say, oh, no one's doing something for me. We don't say, oh, um, things will never change. Oh, leadership doesn't have their act together. We take it on, right? So some of us know this, especially as leaders. For some of us, it's not a mindset change at all. We're like, yeah, I get this. Um, for some of us, it will be a mindset change, but for some of us, it's not. For many of us, the mindset change might not be there. You just don't know how to build a system and structure to be able to execute on this mindset. 
Like it's not enough to have the mindset. It's it's it won't get you anywhere just to have that mindset. You have to have some kind of system to to be able to leverage being able to allow for everyone else to live that mindset. And putting people in control of solving issues and predicting their future is the cornerstone for total responsibility. And everyone gets this concept, but not everyone gets to practice it. And that's the difference. I totally encourage you to go back, listen to episode three, where we talk about the four disciplines of daily management. Visit my website. You know what? Take a training. Take a training. We're, it's a free training. It's online. Really get what I'm talking about here, but take responsibility for your future. Now, the moment we give up taking responsibility is the moment we give up everything. It really means that much. Taking responsibility is like climbing a mountain with no top. It's continual. And it's about choosing power. It's about choosing how to show up. Hey, man, you know, life, like I was right. Life is what it is. We can't change that, but we can change how we decide to talk about the situation. And that's my thought for you all this week is really starting to embrace this concept of total responsibility. It's not cause effect. It's not he said, she said. It's really being able to be responsible for everything that's happening in your life and saying, you know what? It's not saying it's not my fault. It's not saying I'm to blame. It's saying, you know what? What does this mean? And what am I going to make it mean? And then how am I going to move things forward? Because that, that is true power, I think, is the ability to have say in your life and actually make that what it is that you say, make that a reality. That is true power. And I don't think that all of us are able to really move on that. And it takes something to do it um, again and again and again. So with that, I totally appreciate you guys joining in this week. Um, I'm really interested to explore this further again this fall. We're going to be doing some work around leadership. And I'm excited to begin to integrate this in the systems that we do. Because I know that all of you wake up every single day with you know, a bend to make a difference in the world instead of just making things work. And I hope that this dose of thought revolution is going to give you what you need to continue leading the revolution that you are up to in your life. I'll see you guys next week.